Hello and welcome to Made in His Image, a Christian podcast where we take a look at what the world has told us about ourselves, what we think we know about ourselves, and ultimately what God has to say about that. My name is Stephanie Shanda Kumar and I'm your host and I'm really excited. This is my first episode and I've re-recorded this a couple times because I was not satisfied and I know that I'll never be satisfied, but I am really excited to just get into it. And I feel that the Lord is calling me to, um, to just trust that, um, I'll improve over time. So any feedback is appreciated, um, good or bad. Um, and I want to start off with sharing a little bit about who I am and why I felt called to make a podcast, number one. And number two... Um, the topic for today is purity culture, um, and the layout of this of this podcast is very much one where we first dissect what the world thinks about a particular topic. We look at how that influences us, um, and then ultimately end it off with what God has to say about it, because I think that that's the most important opinion. Um, so yeah. A little bit about myself. I'm in my fourth year of my undergrad. It's not my final year. Um, I'm taking an extra year and um, yeah, I just really like my program. I want to do something where I connect Catholicism to psychology, so spoiler alert, I'm Catholic and um, I came back to the church when I was 14. So um, there was just a period of my life where I was questioning and um, trying to find out what the like meaning of life was and who God was in my life. And um, after a bit of searching, I found truth in the Catholic Church and its teachings. Um, so I've been a devout Catholic ever since. Um, and so, yeah. Um, I have a brother, um, I would say I have a big family, um, really good friends, uh, and I'm just passionate about, uh, about people in general. I feel like I had this discussion the other day with a friend where I realized that I learn the best when someone is teaching me something rather than learning it from a book or from personal experience. I learn better through listening to other people and what they've gone through because I'm passionate about people and some people are passionate about music some people are passionate about baking I think the Lord has put it on my heart to be passionate about people and getting to know them and so um that's been one of the many gifts that I was blessed with um and try to use to my advantage especially with something like this a podcast where I feel like other people's experiences kind of trickle into and influence my opinions and my outlooks uh, um, regarding the world. Um, and so, yeah, um, today we're looking at purity culture. Um, so, I don't know, I guess grab a snack. I don't know what your favorite snack is. I'm not a snacker. Um, and I have water, but it's all the way across my room and I'm actually pretty tired and don't want to grab it. 
So grab a snack or water or tea or coffee. I'm a tea person. Um, and we'll just get right into it. So what is purity culture? Purity culture is a Christian term. It's an umbrella term for a bunch of different things that pertain to the nature of chastity, um, physical and emotional, um, abstinence, modesty. Um, and I think that the intention behind purity culture was, uh, one that was like, it was well-intentioned and it can be useful and it can be a tool, um, that can be used for God's glory. But in the world that we live in, um, I think that it's, it has brought out some really ugly misconceptions surrounding sex and our natural desire for it. Um, which kind of then influenced uh, the way that we either rebelled against it or reacted to it. And I'm, I'm going to get into that. Before I do, though, I want to make something clear. Um, I am going to be talking more so about the negatives of purity culture. Um, but I do want to establish the beliefs that I hold about the positives of purity culture that I think are important to mention. Um, I think understanding purity culture can allow you to practice self-control and patience, um, along with a better set of standards for dating. Um, I think that it allows you to look for someone that holds the same values in, in regards to abstinence and the absolute gift it is to wait until marriage, even if you haven't waited before. Um, but to wait now in the, in the present, um, I think that it's important to find someone that holds similar values, uh, in regards to that. Um, and I think that that will set you up for a fruitful and holy marriage. And so I think that that's why, uh, it's something to worth, it's worth looking into is what I'm trying to say. Purity culture, I think has its negatives for sure. And that's what I'm going to be spending the majority of my time talking about, but ultimately, there's always good that can come out of it and things that God can use for his glory regardless. Um, but, uh, yeah, while we can extract the good, there are some beliefs, uh, attached to purity culture that can cause some of us to feel guilty or shameful. Uh, and, um, and that's, uh, that's something that needs to be addressed and needs to be called out. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's get right into it. So let's look at what the world thinks about purity culture or about, um, in particular, we're going to be looking at the church first. So, uh, the church culture surrounding, uh, these kinds of topics. So sex, um, or purity or innocence back when I was a kid, um, I think that the culture at the time was one of, um, like, preserve your innocence, uh, and, like, once you make a mistake, you're too far gone, so, like, you cannot be redeemed, and, um, I don't think this was coming from priests or, um, anyone in the church in particular, I think this was coming from just people from the older generation, so our parents, our aunts, our uncles, um, the way things were set up, 
caused a lot of us to feel like we could never make a mistake or that uh, our attraction towards the opposite sex or even some of us who struggle with same-sex attraction like that that we had to feel really disgusting for it dirty even and um that's not the right mindset um I think the underlying expectation for single people um, was that uh, we feel no sense of attraction to anyone while we're single and we must stay holy and only ever think about God. And then only when we get married is when we just like flip a switch and we're all of a sudden attracted and um, desiring of building a family. That's not how it works. Obviously, the desire is put in our hearts for a reason so that we can discern our vocation and follow through with whatever it is God wants for our lives. Um, And so we can't just push it down or think that it's something to be um, something to be shameful of. Um, And and when you make a mistake, especially growing up out of curiosity, you tend to, you know, fall into certain sins. Um, when you make a a mistake, feeling like you're unforgivable. I think that that was also another thing that was pushed on us for a long time in the church. Uh, Again, not saying that it was the priests or the teachings, but more so it was was just a culture of a very strict um, and non-communicative. I don't think that... um, I don't think that there were many outlets to be able to speak about these kinds of struggles, sexual sin, for example. I don't think that that was something that was talked about enough, at least in the early 2000s, because I don't remember um, seeing a culture of communication about these kinds of topics. And so, yeah, so that can cause you to feel lot of shame and a lot of guilt when you fall into these kinds of sins and you don't know what to do with it um and so i think it 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 became a thing of uh purity was no longer about holiness but more so about a status keeping your innocence preserving your innocence was not because it's what god wills but more so because you wanted to be not tainted and like how would you say that not tainted sin free which is untrue um and and trying to do it on all on your own and so falling into sin and making wrong moves probably um at least for me uh cause and and people that i know cause um cause us to feel like we cannot be forgiven or that we've gone too far um and so that that was what i think the church culture was in the early 2000s um and i know that a lot of my friends relate to this and know that um sometimes we can tend to be a little bit scrupulous and um really hard on ourselves about the tiniest little things i know for myself one of the big ones is uh or the one of the big ones growing up was attraction. So, 
um, anytime I felt attraction towards someone, feeling guilty about that, like, oh, I shouldn't be thinking this way. I can't even, I can't entertain the thought of having a crush. Um, and the problem with that is that, again, it's a natural desire. It's a, a human feeling. Um, and to feel guilty about it takes away from the beauty of having a crush and an attraction towards someone. And um, I think, especially when I got older, going to confession, like that was something that I would bring up and it was like, well, <laughs> it's not a sin, actually. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to desire um, connection with someone and finding them attractive and, you know, uh, digging into that. Um, and so that got me to apply the same approach to bigger sins or things that were actually sins so um when looking at sexual sin or just any sin in general looking at it from a place of curiosity can really change the way you talk to yourself um an example of this is say for example you um partake in the use of marijuana and you keep falling into the same sin. You know that you don't want to be smoking marijuana, but uh, you just can't help it. Um, and you feel guilty and you start talking negatively about yourself and you feel like you're too far gone and why bother trying to quit, right? I think uh, one of the most powerful things you can do for yourself is ask yourself what triggers the use. Um, how can... What is it that, what vice is causing me to want to live this comfortable, cushy life with the cush, with, um, with weed? Um, and so, um, it's, yeah, looking at your sin as something to be curious of and, uh, looking at it from a place of like, how can I change this? And what is it that God's trying to teach me in this? And, um, you know, where did it all stem from? And I think the same can be applied to sexual sin. You know, you fall into the sin of masturbation or pornography, and it's quite common among a lot of um, North Americans, um, a lot of the youth. Um, I'm pretty sure the last time I heard the the stats about uh, the youngest age for people watching pornography was like six years old. And that's insane to me. And it's crazy, but it's very common. And I think looking at sexual sin, for example, uh, what triggers me to look at these kinds of things? What triggers me to um, perform these sexual acts? And how can I stop doing these things? And what vice is holding me in this place? Because ultimately, sin chains us, right? We are chained to the sin. We are no longer free. And that can be debilitating. I think that that can be quite miserable. And the beauty of God is that he doesn't want anything else more than for us to be free. Um, and, and we know this as a fact, because when we look at Adam and Eve, um, God could have very well chosen their safety or their like for them to love him um, over their free will. Um, but God chose out of love for us, um, to give us the ability to choose, um, 
and so when when sin enters our lives we no longer have the choice we don't we no longer have the choice we are held by the sin and when we choose to walk away from that sin we are free um free from it um and so yeah it's uh it's a thing of yeah so number one being curious about your sin um is one of the solutions to uh what the world especially the 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 church thought about purity culture uh in the early 2000s we're no longer in the early 2000s we're now in 2023 and when we look at the culture around us now things have very much changed um i think the secular world uh would like to have you believe that purity is a bad thing and that sleeping around is empowering and it's satisfying and um we can look at that literally on our phones you open up your instagram or your for you page on tiktok and um some of it is quite explicit and um it's not even a question of modesty at this point it's more so the acceptance of the acceptance of sleeping around like i I don't know how else to put it it's i think there's an uh like almost an yeah just an acceptance of these kinds of behaviors and um it really breaks my heart um the way that children are raised now especially you look at the way that kids what the, the things that kids are taught in schools and um it's quite shocking actually it really is and if you live under a rock i suggest you go find out what's happening in the u.s let alone in canada like i think it's worse in canada but in the u.s it's pretty bad and the way that we're raising our children in the public school system um i'm afraid like part of me considers like raising my children at home and like homeschooling them because i'm afraid of what's being pushed onto children and their and their worldview is being shaped by their teachers and their classmates um and it's quite scary um so i think the secular world has gone the opposite way we no longer are afraid of losing our innocence we instead embrace losing our innocence and going even further than that changing it and morphing it into something quite perverse um and so that may cause us like looking at what the world has to say about purity culture when we look at the church culture when we look at the secular world um things can be quite confusing for all of us and and this can cause us to think about purity culture a certain way and it can cause us to think about ourselves a certain way um one of the things that we can think about ourselves is i'm not pure or worthy of love um i'm too far gone uh this is a mistake that's unforgivable i've done it so many times god would not forgive someone like me um my spouse deserves better than me my boyfriend deserves better than me because i'm just too far gone i'm not what he deserves and um it hits your self-esteem in a way that um 
you know, it's devastating to watch happen. Um, and yeah, like guilt and shame. Like when you feel convicted of a sin, it's a good thing because I think it's so Holy Spirit led and it's uh, from a place of looking at your sin and going, hey, you know what? Something's not right. Um, I feel a disconnect between my spirit and God, my soul and God. Um, and conviction is good, but shame is not. Shame is not from God. God does not shame us. Um, and we can spend a whole lifetime sitting in a pool of shame and guilt um, and not knowing how to come out of it. Um, but what you need to remember is that when you judge yourself and feel that you are unforgivable, you're really just taking Jesus off his throne and saying that you're a better judge than he is because he tells you that you're deserving of love and that you matter and that you all you need to do is come back to him and you're saying, well, I think you're wrong and I'm a better judge than you and I know that I'm not worthy of love and I'm not worthy of forgiveness, so I'm going to do it my way. Um, and that's really sad also. We don't want to do that either and I think we tend to, to do that often. I can tend to do that often and it's only after realizing that um, I'm actually coming from a place of pride, thinking I know better than God, is uh, when I learned to have more grace on myself and forgive myself because God forgave me. Um, you know, one of the one of the sins that I see, I, I use this app to do my examination of conscience. And um, at the end of the list, it says um, that one of the sins is not forgiving yourself because yeah it comes from a place of pride and whenever i see that i uh i truly have to think after going to confession like really think about the fact or like actually question myself like hey do you actually believe that god has forgiven you do you actually believe that you are worthy of forgiveness and love um and that you were created in his image and um sometimes it's a yes and other times it's a no and um trying to figure out how to better believe the truths that god has laid out for me has been a challenge in my life but one of the things i've found useful is um honestly reading the bible the more you hear god's voice and i know you've heard this so many times if you're a christian but the more you hear god's voice you read his word um the more his truths will become clear to you and you will be more convicted of them and you will see them and hear them more often. His words, they're powerful. And when you read your Bible, um, you're just fueling your brain with so much love and um, so much goodness. You can't help but see it around you when you put the book down and you see the world around you. Um. So let's um, let's look at what God says about purity culture and what he says about us. Um, so I think that the Bible does put an emphasis on purity. Um, God made us, though, um, knowing that we would struggle. And he's such a good God because knowing that we would struggle, um, he also put an emphasis on 
forgiveness and redemption. In his abundant grace and his mercy, he wanted it, wanted to, wanted it to be clear that we live in a broken world and that he's given us free will and that we can choose to turn away from him, but that there's always space for forgiveness and redemption and goodness. So I'm going to share with you um, a Bible story that I think fixes both ends of the problem uh, in terms in, in terms of purity culture, it will fix what the world, like the secular world, thinks about purity culture, and it will also clarify what the church thinks about purity culture. Um, and this is from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. And so I'm just going to read it out for you. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis of accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one commanded you? Or sorry, whoops, dyslexic. Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. So, what I love about this story is that it fixes the problem of purity culture so well. You look at um, being too harsh on yourself and you see that God fixes that problem by, by saying, I don't condemn you. Um, and looking at that, like he could have very well told her about her past and told her that like, you know, you committed this sin and this sin and like, and when you think of adultery, right, like, um, we're not entirely sure. I don't think that she was uh, a prostitute, but say in this say in this scenario that she was or that she had partaken in, a, in adulterous acts multiple times, he said nothing about that um, and instead acknowledged the fact that we as human beings fall because we live in a broken world. Um, the way in which he acknowledged that was by telling everyone, like, if you've never sinned, throw the first stone at her. And that in and of itself is a statement uh, and a testament to the fact that we are imperfect and a fallen creature. Um, and so blaming her for her weakness is not going to fix the issue. Um, and that she can walk away from, from this freely because he's forgiven her. Um, and I think... For her to hear those words must have been so relieving. And I wonder if she believed those words. Because when we go to the sacrament of reconciliation, and if you're not Catholic, 
let's say you ask God for forgiveness and he forgives you, really asking yourself if you believe that, if you feel like you are worthy um, of his forgiveness and his mercy uh, and walking away um, not only knowing and receiving his forgiveness but also forgiving yourself because that woman could have been like oh okay jesus has forgiven me but uh i don't think i am deserving of that uh, and that again is a thing of pride so he fixes the problem there by acknowledging that everybody is broken and that he doesn't condemn her for her past he doesn't want to condemn her for her past um and he fixes the other issue uh of looking at it from a secular perspective of uh, let me embrace my sexual sin and my desires and um, kind of twist what purity should look like. Um, or even self-love, like twisting what self-love should look like. Um, by saying at the end of it, um, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus could have just left it at, I forgive you. He could have said, I don't, I don't condemn you. All right, see you later. But he was very particular in the way that he spoke. And he was very clear in saying, go now and leave your life of sin. Because all he desires is for us to be freed from our sin. And he's telling her that the things that she was partaking in were hurting her soul. He's telling her that he doesn't want her to go back to her life just because he's forgiven her and that he hasn't punished her. He's telling her that all he desires is for her to walk away from her life of sin and live a life that is pure and good. And, um, and that can give us hope that when we have gone too far, or we feel that we've gone too far, God's not concerned about our past, but he is concerned about our present. And what he wants more than anything is for us to be in communion with him, to be in relationship with him, and to walk away from the sins that hold us captive. Um, and so I love the way that the story just kind of fixes the two, the two problems. Um, and so it's just, it's just very beautiful the way that it was, uh, it was written um and so that's one of the stories that i feel uh you know uh, i can turn to when i feel like i have messed up and i've gone too far i feel like uh the story so well uh depicts god's love because it's a just but merciful love um and so yeah, it's just, uh, purity culture is an interesting one for, for a lot of us because we're all young and kind of trying to figure it out. And even if you're not even sure of your vocation or where you're headed in life, I think we all have, uh, struggled at one point or another, uh, with sexual sin. Um, and I think it's important to discuss. So I would encourage you in your faith, um, to turn to your brothers and sisters in Christ, um, and try to be open and more vulnerable about the kinds of struggles that you're facing because chances are you are not alone 
in facing these kinds of struggles and um, there's power in being held accountable. I think for myself, uh, one of the greatest consolations is knowing that I'm not the only one struggling because it can feel a little lonely and turning to a friend, a trusted friend to uh, be vulnerable with and share in the frustration of that sin and um, I think there's just power in discussing and moving forward because once you know like one of the one of the things I always say is that when the devil knows something about you uh, he's gonna want to keep it quiet and he's gonna want to make sure that you don't tell anyone about it so that he can continue to manipulate you and make you feel like you're the worst human being on the planet uh, which is obviously not true um, but once you voice it and you share it with someone else, um, he no longer has power over it because now someone else knows about it and they can tell you that it's a lie and it's not true. Um, and so if you take anything away from what I've spoken to you about today, I hope that it's that our God is good and all he wants for us is to be in union with him. So if you're struggling with sexual sin or um, you're struggling with loving yourself or forgiving yourself, I pray today that you find a way to believe, to believe that God, all he wants is to be in relationship with you and that there's forgiveness for everyone. Uh, you just have to keep coming back no matter how many times you fall. Um... It's the simple fact of getting up and not not giving up. Um, yeah, that's all for me today, though. Um, thanks for tuning in. I know that this seems very... I, I think I feel like I'm very quiet and calm today. I'm not hype, which is kind of annoying because I usually am. Um, but I'm abundantly grateful to each and every one of you for listening if you have tuned in today. And next week, um, I think I'll be talking about friendship. Um, and I'm really excited for it. And I think I will be hype because I usually am hype about my friends and the way that I select my friends. Um, and it's just, yeah, I'm just so abundantly grateful for all of you. And I'm also really abundantly grateful for our Lord and um, what he will do with this podcast so um by the way very quickly made in his image uh the reason i named it that is because ultimately um god's opinion of us matters the most because we were created by him and part of his essence part of who he is is embedded in us um so who better to tell us who we are than our creator and so that's my mission um, with this podcast is to make you aware of God's ultimate truth and what he wants to share with you. And uh, I guess the sources that I have are the Bible, my personal anecdotes, and also the things that my friends have gone through. I have some pretty amazing virtuous friends who have lived really incredible lives and i'm excited to share their stories with you um so stay tuned for that all right god bless and i will see you next week